Hey listeners, are you enjoying our podcasts and coaching advice? Do you feel like some guidance and accountability could help you stay motivated and focused during these uncertain pandemic times? We love connecting with our listeners and collaborating to make training work for your goals, your life, your personality. As a thank you for listening to our podcast, we want to offer any new clients $20 off the first month of coaching, which is normally $150. Email us at Julie and Lisa at runfartherandfaster.com to set up a time to connect over the phone to learn more. And be sure to mention this special offer as one of our loyal listeners. Hey, Julie. Hey, Lisa. How are you? Good. Nice to be back. It's so great to be back. Um, Admittedly, we just chatted for like, what, 20 minutes before we even started recording because we have so much to catch up on. Which is, I was going to say, 20 minutes is like not even a a fraction of what we could talk about. We could talk all day long. So For sure. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, the reason we're, we're... we're uh, connecting, at least on our podcast, is that the official news for the Boston, the 2021 Boston Marathon came down yesterday. And not a surprise, none of us were expecting really realistically Boston to happen in April. Uh, the other world marathon majors have been changed, have been moved, postponed until the fall. So it wasn't a huge surprise, but the Boston Marathon announced that it will not take place in April and will be rescheduled for at least fall. I don't know if you noticed those, that wording in, in the announcement. It said it will be postponed until at least fall of 2021, but that they hope to announce, they plan to announce a date before the end of this year. So now starts all of the speculation and all of the uh, discussions and debates and I think a little anxiety over now what happens to Boston. Yeah. So um, before we get to that, because I think this is going to take up a lot of our conversation, I just want to know what's new with you since new? Last- you, you asked this yeah. before, and I always am like, I don't know what has gone on. I'm like, I've lost all reference of time frame. I can't remember really what I even did last week. And, um, but, uh, you know, running wise, I've, um, you know, scaled back my running since uh, the virtual marathon. I, you know, I don't even know if we had talked about this. I had forgotten that last year in probably January or February before all of this started, I registered for the Rehoboth Marathon because every year our runners who do it have such a great time. It's such a fun marathon. They always have good races. It's really well run. And I thought, you know what, next year I'm going to make that my fall marathon. Remember that now. I, I had forgotten until I started getting emails about being registered. And I said, oh, gosh, I can't believe I had registered for that. And uh, about, I'd say, three or four weeks ago, the race director announced that she thought they were going to be able to move forward with a limited field and that in order to limit the field, they were allowing free deferrals until next year, specifically for the half marathon, because that was oversubscribed to what she thought would be their, their capacity. The marathon was not over what she thought the capacity would be, but they gave the option to both marathon and half marathon runners to defer for free until 2021. Which and is I, 
Super, super generous, by the way. Very generous, very generous and a really good idea to kind of whittle down the field. And I took advantage of that. I thought, um, you know, I just did a marathon. I'm not motivated to train for another one. And really the reason I signed up for Rehoboth is because it's fun and there is a pre-party and post-party. You can hang out with all your friends and so many runners from our area do it. And I thought it'd be such a fun chance to go outside of the race and, and you know, not, other than the race, hang out with people, hang out afterwards and have that fun experience. And that clearly wasn't going to be the case this year anyway, even if the race took place. So I deferred until next year. So please remind me that next year I have Rehoboth, knock on wood, next year I have Rehoboth on my calendar for December, but I deferred. And then they just announced um, a couple of days ago also that, um, Sadly, Rehoboth is canceled. They were waiting on the state parks permit. They had, they had received permission from the state and localities, but we're waiting. The, the race goes through parks, like park land, park uh, property, and they were waiting for approval from the parks and they have not yet gotten it or weren't clear on the numbers. So she made the really hard decision to cancel the race. So, um, so that's just that's just a way a long-winded way of saying that dialing back my training and, and deferring a, a year was kind of the right right call in in the end. Um, I did do our local running club, Montgomery County Roadrunners Club, did put on um, one of the club races, which is the Germantown Five Miler, typically that takes place in May, and it was canceled in May and uh, rescheduled for just a few weeks ago. The club received permits to do the race in one of our local parks that has a trail, a paved trail in it. And so they really just kind of came up with a route on the trail, worked with what they did, with, with, with what they had and, and with the permissions that they were given and limited the race to a couple hundred runners spaced out in Basically, you signed up for a 10-minute chunk of time between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m., so a two-hour window, 10-minute chunk, and you showed up during your 10-minute window, and they started runners every 30 seconds in that 10-minute window, and then there was a pause before the next 10-minute window, and uh, it ran really well. Very interesting to me. The limit was, I think, 200 runners. In the end, there were only 70, I think 75, maybe 73 runners who ran the race. There were more who were registered, um, but not capacity. I think there were 135 registered, and 70 some odd came out and, and ran the race. It was run extremely well, very smoothly. Our friend Danny Talmadge did a really great job of making sure everybody felt safe. Uh, it was professional. It was done really well. My only small, uh, I wouldn't say complaint, but uh, critique of the race, and this was really just because the race had to work with what they had, was that the course was a, a narrow bike path that was filled with leaves, you know, dry leaves that have fallen. And uh, it was a little bit of a convoluted course in order to get in the five miles. So you went out and you uh, took a quick turn and then you kind of had to navigate your way through these leaves to a, a quick 180 degree turn, come back through the start area, go down a steep hill, which was the hill you came up at the end. And it was a little bit, um, it was hard to get into a good groove in the race on the course. And it was, it was, a, it was a, a sort of funny to be, um, the, the runners were very spread out. I didn't, 
pass anybody or have anybody pass me, but you were passing people going the opposite way on a pretty narrow path. And the, the request from the race director was to pull up your mask if you were going to be passing anybody. So every time somebody would be coming from the opposite direction, you'd see both of you kind of scrambling to get your mask back up for the one second or split second that you'd pass each other going the opposite direction and then usually pull it back down so you could breathe. And then you'd see somebody else coming and pull it up, pull it down, pull it up, pull it down. So it was a little bit comical seeing all these people going up and down and up and down with, with their masks. But it was the end of the day, it was so nice to get back out and feel some sense of normalcy, see from a distance and mask some of our friends from MCRC, our racing uh, team uh, co-members, our other members of the racing team, and just to feel like there was some return to normalcy. So, uh, so it was a, it was a, I thought it was a great experience and a really good example of how we can modify races and adapt and figure out ways to make it safe and within the guidelines that the permitting agencies put on it can happen it's just going to look a lot different than the races that we're used to absolutely and there are in our area there are a lot of races popping up very small ones particularly by the company um, bishop events so for those of you who are local to the dmv check out bishop events their um, website has a lot of races in maryland virginia and even some near Georgetown and DC. Um, and for those who live in other areas, I think we've mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again, there's a private Facebook group called Races That Are Not Canceled. And that has just been for us as coaches a wealth of information, we've been able to find races for our runners who are interested in racing. And we completely understand that there are many people who just aren't there yet. And we completely understand, but for those who want a race, uh, we have found uh, some races for our runners living in different parts of the country. For example, one of our runners, Pete, who lives in the San Francisco area, he is actually going to be doing a marathon um, in Nevada um, soon that we found on that page um, that's being done by the Rebel Race uh, Company. So they are, do exist and there are precautions being taken and every race is doing things a little differently. But so far, we've heard nothing but good things about the races that have occurred under COVID. I think these race directors are very smart and understanding that they have to do everything the right way the first time or they won't be able to do it again. And we had a really good conversation, a conference call a couple of weeks ago with a local race director here, Ken Racine, who um, has been doing a terrific job uh, with his racing. And, and I know that he uh, recently co-directed a marathon in um, are in Maryland that went off without a hit. So I think race directors are figuring it out. And as runners, if we're inclined, I think it's important to support those efforts. Definitely, definitely. So tell me what, what you've been up to the last month. You've had some, some travels. Yeah, so- um, COVID travels. Yeah, my family decided to do something a little daring. I'm glad it worked out, but um, my mom lives in this community in Florida called The Villages which many of you have probably read about um, in the news a lot because it's a huge city, basically. It's comprised of 100,000 retirees in the middle of Florida, about an hour from Orlando, an hour from Tampa, and kind of in the middle of nowhere, but it's huge. And um, there's a lot of campaigning down there. So they've been in the news a lot, both, um, both uh, candidates uh, tend to go down to the villages um, one candidate more than others, the other, but they're both down there occasionally to campaign. And um, it's a golf cart community and um, it's comprised of several neighborhoods with village squares and 
in normal times, it's a lot of fun, but I haven't, like so many of our listeners, I, I haven't seen my mom in 11 months and it was, it was a lot. And so we decided to um, rent a place through um, Airbnb, I'm sorry, VRBO and Remax really had some places in the villages that um, had great reviews. And so we drove down to the villages with our dog um, in early October and did a week of work and school um, because our kids are still online 100%. And um, we rented this pink house. It came with a golf cart and um, it was actually so much fun. So my mom, we got to see my mom. We would see her outside. The house had this like birdcage pool. So she'd come over and we'd sit and um, hang out and we would go to the village squares where they had music and we'd watch people Dancing Thing and dance. I, I, I took videos and something to Lisa. Like, it's a freaking party there. And I mean, I hope everyone's staying healthy because I swear if I could like, like title the week, it would be what pandemic? Because I mean, we wore a mask. We, we were doing all the things, but man, people were just, just having a good old time. But in all honesty, it was really easy to, to feel very safe down there. The restaurants and um, establishments all had mass requirements, even though Florida as a state lifted them that week. Governor DeSantis had lifted it all, but the villages was safe. And um, we had such a special week with my mom. And I know that she was so grateful we were there. I did a lot of running through the villages. And sadly, like, I didn't get any looks like, oh, what are you doing here? Because I'm close enough to be living there. It's a 55 and over community. Did you see anybody else running there? I'm 48, so I'm close enough. What, do you have to be 55 to live there? Is that yeah, the, yeah. I totally fit in. I mean, like, Seven years <laughs> and counting. Yeah. So, Did you see any other runners? No, I saw a lot of people in their golf carts. Everyone's golf carts were decorated. So I ran on the multi-use paths and I would just, it was so amusing. I didn't need anything to entertain me, but looking at people's golf carts. So like, of course, because of the timing, there were plenty of like Trump or Biden golf carts, but then there were golf carts. Like I went to Ohio state golf cart or Syracuse golf cart. Like it's hysterical. Everybody has like a theme. And also what's most exhausting about running in the villages is, and I don't mean to sound like a jerk, but like everybody waves to you. So you see like, tons of golf carts and every single person waves and if you don't wave you're just a jerk so of course you have to wave you know so like by the end of the week I was just out of habit waving to everyone so (laughs) So if you see Julie running through you know Rockville Maryland waving at all the cars it's just it's just 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 natural instinct now I saw a lot of walkers um, but I did not see many runners at all. So I think it, that the villages needs a running coach. Oh my gosh. I mean, I would totally be up for that. You want it? Should we do that? Should we move I think to- we're going to make our, our 10 year plan to move <laughs> to the villages and become the run farther and faster, run farther and faster than the golf carts. <laughs> we totally could. I mean, I'm sure there is a huge running community there. The villages is again, it's a hundred thousand people. I just probably wasn't running in the part where the runners are. I'm going to guess that there is a, a robust running community in the villages. Great. So lots of masters. Master yeah. Runners. Yeah. Lots of masters competition. So 
anyway, it was really fun and it, it definitely brought me a lot of happiness. Um, that's kind of, I've kind of carried with me through the month. Um, good. So yeah. So anyway, moving on now that you've all heard about our very exciting, uh, <laughs> adventures, um, let's talk about Boston and let's just, let's just talk about some scenarios. So Lisa, um, what are your thoughts about now that we know it's been postponed? What are your thoughts about September? What, what scenarios do you think, um, we're looking at? All right. So, um, first I wanted to, to read the, um, God, I'm trying to pull it up. I wanted to read the announcement because it's just, it's just um, I think looking at the wording of the, the announcement, um, really gives you an insight us us into an insight into what the BAA is thinking and and some of the considerations and um and, you know they said uh, today the BAA announced that the 125th Boston Marathon traditionally held on the third Monday in April will be postponed until at least the fall of 2021 uh they've been reading regularly with their advisory group and um and you know, committee members and other stakeholders to determine if a if a fall 2021 date is feasible. So there is no still no guarantee. And as much as uh, I'd like to get my hopes up, and as soon as um, I you know I heard it, I thought, oh, good fall, and I had to reel myself back and say, like, you know, we did this last year where we said, all right, April 2021, we'll de- you know, all right, Boston doesn't happen in 2020, we'll definitely be back in 2021, and. Now we see that that's not going to happen. So we really don't know. And if you think about it, the the BAA needs to start planning for a September race soon and open registration before September. And they may not be in a position in April, May, June even to say we're going to be able to do this, to open the registration and start that process. So first, I, I want to say that I, I, w- I really, really hope like we need this. We really, really want this. But uh, I would just say to be cautiously optimistic about a September date. The other world marathon majors have moved to September as well. So it looks like there's one weekend where it would be or one Monday where it would be most likely. But I'd also like to talk about and talk through some of the um, like the ancillary ramifications of of this move and what happens and because we didn't have a race this year. So a couple of things looking at, you know, the biggest thing being qualifying, what does qualifying look like? And that de- depends a lot on what is the size of the field. And that's a big unknown, whether that's this fall or if it's even next April. And there, um, Dave McGilvery was on a podcast recently where he talked about the decision-making factors. And what he really emphasized is that Boston, the unique thing about Boston is that they are working with limited space and limited time. And that naturally limits the number of people in a normal year that they can have in the race. Hopkinton is a very small starting staging area. The roads are not very um, wide throughout much of the course. And they can only be closed for a certain amount of time because traffic has to start flowing again. Uh, He even mentioned that many years ago, Patriot's Day really was a day that the city was pretty shut down, but now not so much. So they really are working with limited time and limited space, and that limits the numbers. So we are looking at if it happens in September and even next, maybe next April, there may be a limited field. So again, what does this mean for qualifying? And um, in my mind, I'm thinking, let's say just a couple scenarios. First, let's say it's elites only. That's one option that, uh, you know, that some races have done, that are looking at and have done. Um, so elites only. Now, 
if it's elites only, it's still going to take resources. So there's still going to be road closures. There's still going to be spectators out, which can also be another factor in terms of safety. There will still need to be volunteers and medical. And in a Another podcast, I think it was, maybe it was the same one, Dave McGilvery had said that um, that was the reason that they realized they couldn't do it this year is that um, they, they couldn't, couldn't really um, manage or put at risk all of those volunteers, which would be for 200 people or 5,000 people or 10,000 people. Now, once you get up to 20, 30,000, obviously there are more logistics and more volunteers, but it, it's sort of the same. So in my head, I think, I think it would be more likely than than doing an elite only race, maybe a small field. Maybe it's, I don't know, a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, whatever that space and time can permit to safely spread out um, to whatever the, the city and the health officials determine is a is a reasonable safety measure. But let's say it's here, let's take an example. Let's say it's ten thousand that they say, okay, we can accommodate ten thousand runners and maybe they start them in waves and it's you know, long, more spread out start time and um, something like that. And then, so, so how do we take 10,000 as the 10,000 fastest runners? That's, that's like the first wave basically of runners. So, and, and that's pretty much almost under three hours for most, most age groups. So that's pretty, pretty fast. And, um, you know, is it, uh, you know, selfishly, I'm thinking, I hope they give the, the runners who have streaks the opportunity to run it. So, you know, is it runners who have a streak of 10 or more that can, can definitely get in? And that's always for, for those runners, we've always had the opportunity to register before anybody else registers in August. So will they continue that? Um, so I think it's, it's, there are a lot of ramifications of the, the, first of all, postponing and second of all, not having had the race this year, what happens to all those people who qualified for this year? What happens for people who qualified? We have runners who qualified, in November of last year for 2021, you know, are they going to get to run the race? So there's a, a very large field, potential field. And, um, you know, what about international runners? What if there are still international restrictions on, on travel? So there are so many uh, different, um, again, ramifications. And the one I thought of yesterday, because this would apply to me specifically, my birthday is after, right after Boston every year. So the year I turned 45, which was two years ago, I raced as a 44 year old, I think a week shy of being 45. So when I qualified, I had to qualify for the 40 to 44 time, qualifying time. If that race that year had been moved to September, I would have been racing as a 45 year old and I would have gotten some extra time. So how does that play into a September race? All those people with birthdays between April and September, do they get bumped up to the next age? And how does that, you know, how does that work out in terms of numbers? So th that's just kind of what I'm thinking. Those, those what, Tell me what you're thinking through and what I know sometimes we, you know, have different, um, different uh, estimates and different guesses as to what's going to happen. So I'm curious to hear what you're thinking. So I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer at all, but what I think is going to happen is I, I actually don't think that there's going to be a traditional Boston in September. And that is not because I don't believe that things won't be better in September. That's not it at all. But I think to your point, there's a lot of planning that goes into executing a race like Boston, where you have to get permits through many different towns and you're dealing with a lot of volunteers and a lot of incidentals and issues that aren't 
necessarily the same issues you deal with in more traditional races. And that is because it is on a Monday and because it is a race that draws a tremendous amount of people that lie in the streets in all of these different towns. So if there is something in September, I think it would be something similar to what Tokyo did, but without, I'm sorry, what London did, but without the bubble. And I would like to believe, um, to your point with respect to the streak, that it would not count as a race for those who are streakers. And I do believe in my heart that in 2022, we will be together in the spring doing a traditional Boston. So that is my prediction. Um, and, And that is not because I think that in September we won't have races back. I just think it's too early to have a race like Boston, even if the numbers are in the thousands, it still would require a lot of resources that they may not be able to secure as early as June, which would be necessary to execute a race in September. We predict that if the race were to occur in September, we predict it would be the second Monday in September based on the dates of the other um, world majors. So we have a hotel room. And if you are able to secure a hotel room like we did, um, where it's fully refundable, and many of these hotel companies are doing that, then go for it. It can't hurt. Um, Secure that second Monday or the weekend before and, and secure a hotel room, it, it, it can't hurt. But realistically, I'm thinking in my head that we'll be back in 2022. What that means in terms of qualifying, I've said this a lot and I'll say it again. The BAA has always been a class act. They've always done whatever they can to make things as fair as possible. So I think that there'll be a lot of thought put into how to make sure that those who qualified We'll get the best chance possible. But in terms of setting goals for yourself with this moving target, couldn't hurt to set a goal to run a marathon between now and fall of 2021. If you can find one, if you have a BQ and you don't feel like it's close enough to provide you that cushion and you want to train for something, maybe think about training something for something between now and fall of 2021 that will provide you with a wider cushion. So let's talk a little bit about how to, how to find that. Like that's very hard now for a lot of people. Like, you know, a lot of the big races are either not opening registration or if they are, people are very wary of signing up for them because of what has happened. So let's talk a little bit about how to do that and not fall into the same trap that people may have fallen into this year of training and training and training, training, it gets canceled, train some more, it gets canceled, train some more. And then you find yourself having trained for nine months or 12 months for something that may or may not happen. It's just very hard on your body. So how do we, how do we look at that then? I think what we have to do is do an analysis of the races that have not been canceled. And we've talked about this before. The patterns that we are seeing is that the races that have not been canceled are occurring in places that permits are being provided. So we noticed, for example, the race that you ran, Lisa, in Pennsylvania last month, that was a race where we talked to the race director on our podcast. He was able to share that permitting wasn't a huge issue for him. He was able to secure permits. He was able to certify the course, and the course was a Boston qualifier. Um, And similarly, Harrisburg Marathon is taking place next weekend on, on two different days. 
And um, that's a bigger, that's actually a bigger one. Uh, so, um, you know, Pennsylvania looks like it's at least possible. The one I did was on private property, it was in a private community. So I don't recall if they were actually, they needed the approval of the association, but I don't know if they needed, the roads weren't closed. So I can't remember if they actually needed permits, but but yes, it looks like, you know, so I think that's a good place to start is to look at races that do happen. Look at those race um, directors, those race organizations, because they like Racine Multisport, who's successfully putting on races like this, look to see what else they have coming up, because clearly they're figuring out how to do it. They know the ins and outs of getting the permits and the approvals because they've done it. Um, and, and certainly check to make sure any race you're looking at has COVID, pro is acknowledged COVID protocols and has those on their website. Because if you just see a race that's listed and has no mention of COVID or the fact that the race may be altered or special special procedures for COVID, that, that to me is a red flag. That's that's somebody who's burying their head in the sand and thinking that they're gonna put on a race, a normal race um, in the next, you know, whatever, five, six months. So I think that that's a good starting place. And like you mentioned before, there are Facebook pages, the Facebook page that we're on where people are sharing information. Race directors are on there and other you know people all around the country. If you're willing to travel and you feel safe with the travel or it's a place you can travel by car safely, um, you know, you can look outside of your immediate area. I would just look very carefully at the races too, to make sure again, reputable race directors that can get race courses certified. The last thing you'd want to have to do is go put all your eggs in one basket, go run a race and find out the course wasn't certified or was miscertified or was mislaid out. And you, you know, put all this work into qualifying, getting qualifying time. And it's not on a course that that was qualified. So that's research, I think is, is like you mentioned, the key to, to figuring out uh, what might be a reasonable target. And to your point, um, for example, there is a marathon happening, the Richmond Marathon. They're doing something super creative where you can go anytime between certain dates in November and run on the certified course. The course is certified. However, the course is not a Boston qualifier. The race director has been very transparent of the Richmond Marathon. The race director of Richmond has been very transparent in saying we are certified, um, come run it. It's a great course, but unfortunately we've been in contact with the BAA and the BAA is not recognizing this as a Boston qualifier. So there's good news and bad news with that. And the good news is, is that the fact that the BAA is engaged and is talking to these race directors and making determinations as to whether a race is a Boston qualifier means that Boston will take into consideration all of these little races that people are running post 2020 when Boston is still up in the air. So I think that is a silver lining is recognizing that the BAA isn't ignoring the fact that races are happening. The BAA is considering the evidence, looking at each race on a case-by-case -case basis and deciding what constitutes a BQ. So that is the second part of your research when finding a marathon to BQ is, of course, not only making sure the race is organized, the likelihood of cancellation, and that the course is certified, but you also want to make sure that the course is a BQ course. Yep. And I think even uh, more important than selecting the course is also being in the right mindset to recognize that this could get canceled. It could, you know, something could happen between now and accepting that that is the risk and that that's just the where we are right now. And so going into it, 
not with all of your, you know, all your hopes on this and thinking that it's definitely going to happen. So I think going into it with the right mindset and, and in that along those lines, maybe it's picking other goals along the way that you can feel like you're accomplishing. So if that race is canceled, you have still accomplished other goals. You have still, you can take a path to the plan B easily. So maybe you uh, train for shorter distance, uh, you know, similar to our speed and strength program we're doing right now, where you're really sharpening that shorter distance speed and you're getting to do some time trials, even on your own. They're not as exciting as races, but there is some sense of satisfaction in doing time trials. They're always, you know, our runners always, we dread them, but once you get it out there and get it done, it feels really good. And for those shorter distances, you can do that on your own. You don't need a lot of logistics of water stops and big long courses. You can go to a track, you can do it on a, on a shorter distance course. So, um, you know, maybe you do that and you do some time trials coming up in December or January to get a baseline for what is your potential for, for a spring marathon. Where are you, you know, where, what, where are you building from? So that is over the, you know, we are now at the end of October. So taking November and December to work on that sharpening and that shorter distance speed, it gives you a little break from higher mileage and, and gives you something, something different. And, and our bodies really need that variation and the, the cha different challenges to work on different systems and sharpen different systems. So that's, that's, can, that can be another shorter term goal where you still may, you know, have your eyes set on, on something in the spring, but that, you know, that gives you something to at least tangible and in a shorter term to work toward and, and in your control because nobody can cancel a time trial. We hope. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And we've said this before, but given that we don't have the same deadlines that we've had in the past, these are all opportunities to improve your weaknesses. So like I mentioned before, sure, for many, having a marathon out there as a goal, especially if you're concerned about your buffer and getting a BQ is one of your goals um, and getting into Boston with your BQ rather is one of your goals, then certainly targeting a marathon, whether early spring, late spring, even early, early fall, those, those are all great possibilities. But in the meantime, there's a lot more time right now to hone those weaknesses or hone those skills that maybe you haven't had a chance to really refine over the past few years because you've been in a pattern of training where you're sort of jumping from marathon cycle to marathon cycle with rest in between. So maybe this is a good time to take stock and where you think you need some improvement and using the next several months to work on that. So like Lisa just said, we're working on that right now with our runners. Um, our, our group speed and strength is doing great with um, a lot of shorter workouts, some speed workouts, still doing longer distances on the weekends, but not nearly as long and doing strength training. We're working a lot with our virtual coaching clients, our private clients, clients with their individual goals to make sure that they're working on the little things, whether that means higher turnover, more efficiency, building some mileage that maybe you haven't had in a while, or just being consistent with your speed workouts that you can work on a variety of speeds and not just those speeds that are relevant to marathon training. So there's a lot of opportunities out there over the next few months to really hone in on your weaknesses and to just build your body so that when those races return and you're back in those cycles that you personally enjoy, you're that much stronger as a result. Yeah. Build yourself up as a resilient runner with this time, all those 
different things that different factors that play into, into you being a strong and resilient and injury proof runner who will be able to get to that goal. If your goal is, is a marathon. And, and I think one other thing we should talk about is that this whole restructuring of Boston and the uncertainty gives us all a little breathing space. So maybe you do take that step back and you focus on shorter distances or, or aim for a half marathon that you're going to identify that you hope will take place in the spring, because really at this point, there is no huge rush, I think, to get in a marathon because we don't know what it's going to look like. Let's say you rush to get in a marathon in April, and then we find out September is not going to happen and it's going to be next April. And there's a whole different set of qualifying standards. So then you rush to do the April, you know, the race in the spring and all for what, you know, so we just don't know what that's going to look like. So maybe you take the time now to focus on some shorter distance, give your body that chance to recover and that chance to work on some different systems and sharpening different (sighs) systems. And then once spring comes and we find out what is Boston going to look like, then you can regroup and say, okay, I'm going to shoot to qualify for 2022 when maybe we're all back. And that means a fall marathon, or that means, you know, whatever that means, a winter yeah, that who again, who knows what the qualifying window for 2022 will be. It, it may be that we just need to look more long-term, 2023. And guess what? For a lot of us, that means you're going to get some extra time because you're older. So you move up in an age group. So it, it just, I think, reframing the, um, for, for those who are listening, who have been really focused on qualifying for Boston, or maybe you've run Boston a lot and you want to get back to Boston, I think we all have to take a step back and take some time to realize that it's going to look a little different and we don't know what it's going to look like right now. So rushing to um, hit arbitrary goals may be premature at this point. Yeah. I think it's all about how you frame it. I like how you say that. And I think it's also about what you personally enjoy. So if doing long runs on the weekends is what keeps you grounded, it's something that's like a lot of people use the the phrase, the church of the long run. Um, (laughs) That's awesome. Don't stop doing that, but maybe reframe that long run and the purpose. Maybe the purpose of that long run is so that you can build in some tempo in there and possibly train for some type of, you know, 10K, 10 miler, half marathon goal where you're really working on your VO2 capacity combined with your lactate threshold pace and trying to get to a place where you're able to to execute that a little bit better. And it's not so intimidating. So these are all things that we can work on over the next several months. And Lisa, you had mentioned- One other thing is that you can- we have one runner right now who um, is very much in that camp of really the long runs are very rewarding to her. She really likes those long runs. She's built up toward Rehoboth, which is now canceled. And we've talked about um, using this fitness right now and then going into a big recovery phase, but using it for her to run her own ultra. So a 50 K, not a 50 miler. That's a little bit beyond the marathon distance. But um, so, you know, we talked, we've talked a lot about going back and doing shorter distance and um, working on shorter distance, but for some people who really thrive on that longer distance, now it depends on, you've got to be really careful of the timing of this and making sure you have recovery after, but maybe that's what you do. Maybe you do your own. A lot of the ultra distance races are virtual by nature. They've been virtual. You just do it on your own. You submit it. Um, So you can design your own course. You're in charge of the in control of the timing and when you do it and just really have to recruit a crew of people who can help support Mm -hmm. you. But maybe that's something if you're somebody who Mm -hmm. thrives on those longer distances and you're not going to be targeting a marathon this coming year, maybe you say, I'm going to use that long distance that I really like running 
and I'm going to do my own ultra. And I can say I did a 50K and check that off my list. And that feels like a great accomplishment too. So I think that's something, again, with right planning and working with a coach to make sure that you're not doing that and then going straight into marathon training or overdoing it. But but that's the opposite end of the spectrum where one end is working on short distance speed. The other is maybe you go really long and easy and you accomplish something that is is a big is a big achievement, which is doing something farther than the marathon distance. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point because it's, it's truly at the end of the day, even though we all enjoy races, it's still about our own accomplishments and what we want to achieve. Um, we own those, no one else does. And that's, that's what keeps us going. Um, so Lisa, you had used the word before and alluded to it. So we'll just share that our winter goals, um, one of them for us is to continue podcasting um, through this fall, through the winter to help get you through um, the winter months. And so our theme for the next several months, because originally we were, our theme was a Boston Marathon podcast, but that's, that's a little bit of a teaser right now, given that there's no Boston Marathon this spring. So we have decided that we are going to continue podcasting with an overarching theme of building a resilient runner. So um, resilience is definitely one of those 2020 buzzwords and resilience means a lot of things. And we want to cover those things so that all of us can continue running strong and continue taking a lot of these um, announcements like the one we're discussing today in stride pun intended. So Lisa and I together want to bring you content that will help you be more resilient and be the best runner you can be during these times. And we really hope that with the information we provide, you will be able to take that information and be that much of a stronger runner, a better runner, and enjoy running that much more. I know for me, it's really, this whole time is really prompted me to dig deep and think a lot about why I run. I say this a lot, find my why. And there are things I think about on my run during these times that I probably didn't think about as much before. Um, One of which is just really appreciating the beauty around me, really appreciating the trails that we have in our area, the gorgeous colors, the fall colors that we get to experience. And I don't have to think as much about my training plan. I don't really have one right now. I have, I'm consistent, but I don't have this goal race where I'm trying to fit things in. And so when I am out there running, I'm really enjoying it. And I just love running in the fall. And I'm really grateful right now that I have a place that I can run. And it's kind of cool to be able to do it without thinking about my racing plans. So how about you, Lisa? I agree. I feel like it takes a little bit of the pressure off and gives you that permission to focus on other things that you might not typically look at or think about or focus on. And I think that's the focus of that. We, we asked ourselves, what would we benefit from in this kind of season of uncertainty? And that was, you know, knowledge, what kind, what, what can we be learning about ourselves and about our running and things related to running. You know, so many things are related to running, but what can we learn and what knowledge can we absorb right now that's going to help us in the future and help us continue to be healthy runners and strong runners and be able to do this thing that we love so much. So that's how we came up with the idea for the podcast is, uh, you know, finding these building blocks basically that we can 
really hone in on and focus on and give our listeners ourselves. You know, we always get so much out of our podcast, but ourselves and our listeners something to really learn about and take take away from the podcast and and put into action into their lives so that they can stay healthy and and keep running. So I'm you know, I think it'll be a great opportunity this, this winter. And like I said, it takes a little of the pressure off when you don't have a race looming overhead. There's a day you're just not feeling it. You know, there've been plenty of days where I'm just like, it just doesn't feel like a day I want to run or a day I want to run long or a day, you know, or I feel great today and I want to pick it up a little bit. And to be able to do that and say that, or, you know, plenty of mornings now I've been waking up early and saying, I'm tired. I'm just going back to sleep. And it's okay. Cause there's no, you know, there's nothing looming overhead. So I think for some people that that can be, um, discouraging and depressing and, and demotivating. So I think the trick is to find out how to make it work for you and how to, how to stay on track and whatever that means for you, whatever that means for your, for your goals moving forward. But it, it does give us a little bit of breathing space. Yeah. And so we are hopeful that at least for one of your runs per week or every other week, you can use our podcast as a means to motivate you to listen while running. Um, So we also talked about our own goals with respect to running. And we too want to improve on some of the things that we perceive as our own weaknesses during this time. But we also want to continue with our goals with respect to run farther and faster. So we commit, we have committed that we're going to consistently podcast through this time. Um, we'll probably do more episodes every other week rather than every week. Sometimes they'll be every week, but uh, every other week is more manageable for us and will allow us to provide really quality content um, to the best of our ability while juggling everything else. And everything else includes we want to continue to provide the best private virtual coaching experience for our runners, even without races, we have found over the past eight months that we've been able to do that. And it's really, it's really been inspiring for us to see our runners achieve great things during this time. And we're honored to be on that journey with them. And we also have committed to doing another group virtual coaching program. We have loved coaching the speed and strength program this fall, and we plan to do a similar program over the winter. So stay tuned for that. And then finally, we have committed to doing some type of panel like we did over the summer, actually it was the spring, um, with uh, Rachel Miller, where we will do um, some type of panel on topics of interest, and we'll keep you posted on that. So before we go, we have a favor to ask our loyal listeners, and that is we would so appreciate if you could help us grow a little bit with um, respect to our social media. If you like what we're sharing and you like our content, feel free to tag us and share us with other people so that they can find us too. And with respect to our podcast, please feel free to review. We've gotten several reviews. We're so grateful. And if you like this episode, share it with others. Um, And so yeah, we're really excited to continue talking. And Lisa, is there anything else you want to add before we close this out? No, just that it's nice to be back chatting and getting to see you, even if it's over Zoom. Absolutely. I love That's another reason we like to podcast is because it's a, <laughs> an excuse to see each other at least every week or every two weeks. So it's fun for us. Absolutely. So Lisa, I hope you have a great week. Thanks. Happy Halloween. Thanks. You too. You know, it's my favorite holiday. (laughs)
I know I love Looks a little different this year, but that's okay. We're going to make the best of it for sure. Still get my candy. (laughs) (laughs) Candy is not canceled. (laughs) Candy is not canceled. Yes. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Are you finding yourself wearing your running shoes even when you're not running? Maybe you need a replacement pair sooner than you think. If so, definitely check out RJ Sports in Maryland. RJ Sports is located in Rockville and Bethesda, and they are a terrific locally owned running store with personalized attention to ensure that you have the right shoe for your foot and your gait. They know what they're doing. And if you live out of town, you can still call RJ Sports or check out their website, rnjsports.com, to find the right shoe for you. If you have any questions, simply call the store and they will be happy to help you. If you make a purchase of over $100 or more, mention the Run Farther and Faster podcast and R&J Sports will throw in a free pair of Belega socks. Check out R&J Sports. Thanks so much to them for sponsoring our podcast today. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryan. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others. And please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.